Hello and welcome to MacBytes episode 71. I'm Mike Thomas and I'm here with my co-host Elaine Giles. And in this episode, niggly mountain lines, password pain and the old razzle dazzle. But first, let's catch up from last week because this week is last week's next week. I think I got that. <laughs> yes, I heard from Gavin Shaman, who was giving me information about my blurry icons, which seemed so hopeful. In fact, I think he's on the right track. Um, he'd been listening to Matt Geek Gab, and somebody on there had um, sent in a problem, but also a solution, which was quite convoluted, involving deleting horrible-looking files. It was a DB file. And uh, the problem that they'd had, not quite identical to mine, but very, very similar. And I had seen blurry icons where this guy had seen blurry icons as well, which was in Launchpad, which is something that I don't use. But the icons in Launchpad are usually so gorgeous. And of course, when they're blurry, they look horrible on there. So it was just another location that had blurry icons. So I um, rebooted and I cleared all my caches and I deleted this said DB file. And all was well for a little while until I started installing updates to software and then the blurry icons came back. But because it disappeared for at least three days, I'm thinking that that is almost there, that it's something related to that. So I will put a link in the show notes to the Mac Geek Gab episode in question. And uh, if you do have the blurry icon problem, it may half solve the problem. I believe we're on the right track at last. So by the time the next cat appears, I should just about have fixed the last cat. So a big thanks to Gavin for that. I'm definitely on the right track, I feel. Yeah, and we also heard from Derek, who said, just listened to MacBite 70 and was interested in your PDF article. I use iAnnotate PDF, which is absolutely superb, linking with Dropbox, Google and SkyDrive. Brilliant features and documents scroll seamlessly and are fully searchable, which is ideal for the manuals that I use for work. Can't recommend this app highly enough. Definitely worth a look. App is by Branchfire. Keep up the productions, please. See you soon. Best wishes, Derek. Well, as soon as I read that, I remembered that um, I'm sure I annotate was one of my 69 pence purchases. And indeed, I was right. I, I do have that app. I don't ever remember actually looking at it, which is criminal, isn't it? I did. I I had a like notes apps, which we'll come back to later. A fetish, I had you mean? A, Sorry? A fetish for Fetish, them. yes. Mm. I, I had a fetish for um, uh, annotation, PDF annotation apps. And I did have a, a... I've got it installed on the iPad and I think I did have a look at it. I don't recall actually using it in anger. I think that's the issue. You look at all these apps and, and you read what they say and they all sound fantastic. You may even read reviews and most of them are terrible. They just reiterate the press release i think you really have to actually use an app and not just i'll put this sample pdf on and, and have a go with it because you're not really in your mindset for workflow at that point so what i've done this week is i have tested i annotate um i've also like i said last week um i was going to spend some time with documents uh, in a real comparison with a good reader and i've done that and i'm still working on it because i've been really amazed although these applications you tend to think of them as being completely interchangeable i found they're just not they, they are all, although they seem to have a core set of features, pretty much every one of them will let you highlight a word. But it's how they let you highlight it. Do they let you edit that highlight? Can you scroll the document at the same time as you're annotating it? There are so many different um, just 
slightly different foibles with these apps. But Derek's quite right. I annotate's got possibilities. Now, instead of testing just two applications to destruction, I've thrown another one in the mix. So we're definitely going to be coming back to that when I've destroyed all three, I feel. Yes, um, thanks for that. Um, moving on, more mountain lion niggles. Yes, um, I thought I'd gone through them all last week, but after the show, I realised I'd missed two. Um, uh, one problem I've got that's driving me insane always has done right back to the first version of OS X that I used, which was Tiger, is, you know, when you right click on a file. I know it well. I do it all the time. And you have that open with option. I use that all the time. Which was so useful on Windows. And on a Mac, I found it completely useless from day one. I know what's causing the problem, but... If I just explain what you used to be able to do on Windows, with Windows, you could manually control that open with um, menu. I don't know if you still can. I, I think so. What you used to have was a folder that was your open with folder and anything that you put in there, a shortcut to an app, would appear. And if you didn't want things to appear, you could take them away. So I kept it fairly narrow in terms of what I had on there and it was nice to be able to manage it and keep it neat and tidy. But of course, on a Mac, you can't do that. It automatically generates itself. The problem that I've always had going back to Tiger is the fact that if I make an image of a system, the Mac treats the applications on that external drive as if they were standard applications that were on the main drive, which is fine. As long as when I unplug that drive or, or unmount it, they disappear, but they don't. So I end up in, in my open with dialogue. It takes me, well, menu. It takes ages to appear because it's going through whatever it's doing. I have no idea. But it takes forever to appear. When it does, if I've right clicked on an image, say, I'll have five versions of Photoshop and four versions of um, InDesign and how many versions of Illustrator and Preview and Pixelmator. There's, there's, it just goes on and on. In fact, the menu is so big, it, it tends to scroll. Now, what I was doing with that was I was resetting launch services using the terminal. And we've talked about that on MacLights before. Worked brilliantly. Soon as I do that, it removes everything apart from the applications that I do actually have in my applications folder. And I'm happy with that. But... There is now a knock-on effect of resetting launch services. You know all the applications that, well, you probably don't actually because you're still online, aren't you? But you know the gatekeeper thing? Yeah. Where it prompts you and says this is from an unsigned whatever and there's another one that's even worse than that where it won't let you open it. You actually have to go to your applications folder and click on it and command an O to actually open it and then you get another dialog box. Well, when you've gone through all that, you only get that once. It writes it off into its memory somewhere. But if you reset launch services, you lose the lot. So every time you try and open an application from an unsigned developer, you've got this problem. So that's causing more problems now than it was before. Because if I, I, I've now got a trade-off, I either live with the horrendous open with menu, or I reset launch services and then it's like cancel or allow. Remember that ad? Love Who that would forget ad. that? Best ad ever. Yes, well, I, I have a t couple of days of that and both options are driving me mad. What I've elected to do is 
if I've got, um, if it's a file that's on my desktop and I'm trying to open it, I try and avoid even bringing up the menu because it will stop the machine for sort of 15, 20 seconds. What I've taken to doing is double tapping the control key and that brings up, in my case, launch bar. And then from there, I can pass the file to an application. But it's a bit of a workaround. And sometimes you do just right click on it and you want to select open with. So I've been saying this for six years, but please fix that. Please, please fix that. It would be fine if launch services reset itself based on what applications were actually available right now. So if it even updated sort of once an hour, even once a day. But no, it doesn't reset at all. It just keeps adding to it and it's horrible. And the second bug that's driving me mad is the show in Finder bug. Now, you've probably not seen that one, have you? No. It must be mountain lion only. Mm. Um, the symptom is another one of those seemingly innocuous is it me ones, which is what was happening to me was when I downloaded something in Chrome, um, you get a download option at the bottom of the Chrome window and you can click on the menu so it's a little up pointing arrow and you get a very short menu and one of the items is showing the finder so open in finder or show in finder and every now and then it would just stop working and even closing chrome and reopening chrome didn't do any good related to that there were other places where I noticed a similar kind of thing. So totally different applications. You may be you know, right clicking and saying, show me this in something completely unrelated. And it wasn't bringing the finder up. So what I was doing was thinking, oh, it's taking one on itself again. And I rebooted. And when I rebooted, everything came back to normal. There didn't seem to be anything related, anything common related to when it happened, what applications I was using, nothing. So I, it really was one of those, is it me? Is it me? I'll just reboot. But I was finding I was rebooting many times more than I really wanted to. And then I read a blog post from Mighty, uh, no, not Mighty, Many Tricks. Uh, we've talked about them before. They make the wonderful Moom and um, Name Mangler. And uh, what they were saying was they were getting complaints from users complaining that Name Mangler wouldn't accept any dragged and dropped files. So for those who don't know, Name Mangler is a file renamer. When you open it, it has a single dialog box quite large in the middle of the screen and you drag and drop files to it that you want renamed. And what was happening was that people were dragging and dropping files and the files weren't appearing in the window. And as soon as I read it, I realised that had happened to me as well. And again, a reboot had cured it. So it was one of these problems. The problem was getting bigger by the minute, but I hadn't actually linked the two ideas together. So what many tricks uh, had a look at was what was happening because they hadn't changed anything in their code. And uh, they found that there is a bug in 10.8.2 and the bug is in relation to Apple Events. Now, Apple Events is um, an inter-application communications handler. So it is what controls what happens when you try and take something from one application to another. And um, yes, it's broken. So it was just no longer working. So it's, it works OK when you first start. And then at some point it takes one on itself and it just stops working. So they had another fix for it because at this stage there's two fixes. Either reboot, that will cure it. But if you're comfortable in the terminal, there is a terminal command. So I'll put that in the show notes. But the terminal command is sudo kill all minus kill apple events d. And if you use that terminal command, 
It restarts the Apple Events service and everything is fine without the reboot. And I've been using that probably about two to three times a week for the last few months. So I'm hoping for a fix in 10.8.3, as are many tricks. But at the moment, it's another one of those niggles that's driving me mad because they can't not know about it. They've got um, application developers here telling them about it and providing workarounds. But seemingly, no, they couldn't even bring out a little tiny fix for it. You know, one of these supplemental update things. I know the ones. I'd have really liked that. But no. So, yes, niggly mountain lions. Or maybe I'm the niggly one. No, it's definitely not me. It's them. Well, from Niggly Mountain Lines, just looking at the recording notes, I fear a rant's coming up. Oh, yes. I mentioned last week that uh, we were eagerly awaiting the arrival of Mailbox, which was supposed to be the ultimate Gmail client for iOS, or at least for iPhone. And um, we'd barely released the show when uh, news came through that you could make a reservation. I thought, make a what? It's an app. So what I assumed was that it would launch in the App Store, same as anything else, and you could buy it. You know, that old quaint idea of buying software. Um, but the system seems to be related to an online service part of it, and uh, they wanted you to reserve your place in the queue. And at this stage, I think there are around 10,000 in the queue. People are still saying, all the people who've seen the app are still saying it's fabulous. But to make your reservation, guess what they wanted? Go on. They wanted your mobile phone number. And? Mmm! Well, are you serious, was my first thought. Why do they want your mobile phone number? What for? I don't know. Why do they want your mobile phone number? Well, you know, seriously, why ask for your phone number? It could work on an iPod Touch. True. That doesn't have a phone number. So my first thought was, are you serious? My second thought was, oh, just imagine how many PPI claims calls I'll get. <laughs> And my third thought was, I'm not bothering. So I didn't. So I'm going to await what everybody else thinks about that. And let me know if um, you get lots more crank calls. No, I don't hunt out my phone number. and I just don't see the need for it. And if an app like that, that, you know, universally is being welcomed as being brilliant, if they get away with it, how many other developers that, you know, maybe aren't as trustworthy as they may prove to be, do the same? And then your mobile phone number becomes currency with which um, they barter with you. No, I'm not doing it. So I'm sticking with Sparrow. Yes, the cock robin that Google kills, but I'm not going there. <laughs> Let's not go there. No. And the other application that I mentioned last week was Clear, and uh, I was speculating how many people were still using it. Seemingly a lot of you, because they won two awards this week. So um, I'll put a link to that. But they were the startup awards from the next web. They were up for three awards and they won two of them. So uh, it seems clear it's doing rather well. It's I'm not using it. It's still there for me, but I must admit it's sort of... Even though it, it is faster than Evernote, to make a list, it is faster than Evernote. And I know it does synchronise to the desktop app, but I'm still not 100% sold on it. I'm not using it. It's mountain line only. Yes. Mm. But you could use it on your iOS device. There isn't one for the iPad yet, is there? No. Or is I don't there? know. Is it universal? I don't know. I'm not using it enough, clearly. <laughs> clearly. <laughs> right, anyway. Let's move on. Onwards. Yes. The earnings call. Mm. To be known henceforth as Moneygate. Oh, it was one of those situations, wasn't it? Apple exceeded everybody's expectations, apart from the analysts. Who are these people? 
I don't know, but I didn't listen to it, must admit. I did listen to it. Um, interesting as ever. I, I enjoy listening to them. But I'm thinking these analysts are closely related to the uh, bankers. Yes, the ones who bankrupted virtually everyone in 2008, no doubt. Terrible, terrible, terrible. And, and you know, since then, it, it's there's news coming out that millions of shares have been dumped. It, it looks to me as though there's something going on other than how many iPhones Apple have sold. It's it's one of those situations. I mean, we've seen it all before with Manchester United, haven't we? We have. Yes, it was nothing to do with football, but it was all to do with uh, finance and greed, I'm afraid. So um, I'd like to get back to when Apple users were the pitted minority and not the tall poppies, subject to endless speculation, rumour and increasingly unrealistic expectations. Let me set the scene for you. Thank you. Yes, the good old days, when the keynotes were two hours long and Steve delivered them. Oh, the anticipation, the excitement, filled with new toys to wonder at. When Cuddly Phil was much more cuddly than he is now. When the earnings were hardly mentioned. And when a store opening was a rare event. Yes! And when iWork was updated! <laughs> Let's not go there either. You're stopping all my fun. Mm, when we had no games demos either. Oh, yes, you're right. There wasn't, was there? Oh, I shall add that bit in. Uh, carry on. <laughs> yeah, also, uh, Apple is apparently no longer the most valuable company. Apparently that honour now goes to um, Exxon, although I nearly said Enron then. <laughs> OK, let's hear the do-ron-ron. He said Enron. Do you need a genius bar visit? The sound of Elaine's gnashing teeth confused me. And of course, one of the things, no doubt, the uh, analysts will have been looking at are the uh, delays to the new iMac. I admit, I went and I had a look at a 27-inch iMac and I spec'd it up nicely. And um, it's on four-week back order. That's not good, is it? Given when they announced it and uh, where we're at now... I'm sort of on on the point of saying maybe I should wait for a revision. What do you think? Uh, yeah, I think that's uh, looking a good idea. It depends if it takes as long as the last one. But um, yes, still problems in terms of getting their goods to market by the look of it. Hopefully that'll reduce. I haven't actually even seen one yet. No, I need to I, visit a store. I don't think I have. Urgently. I've seen an iPad mini. I haven't seen an iPad mini. Uh, no, not, I don't do that. I'll only want one. You're not missing anything. It's just like an iPad, but smaller. Oh, now now you sound like it's a big iPhone. Oh, it's, it's a little no, iPhone. No, don't go there. <laughs> <laughs> and also this week, yes, there was an article about passwords. And um, it was all about Google having a good idea, which always worries me. And it made me think about passwords, which is something I've been thinking about for quite some time. Started last year, really, when there was that Dropbox theft. Now, that was a, ooh, probably about six, seven months ago, wasn't it? Yeah. And you know, it was all... You know, with that Dropbox theft, mm -hmm. I, I'd memorised my Dropbox password and it was easy to remember. <laughs> and then they and lost then, it on then, you. Then they, then they forced me to change it. Yes. And now I have difficulty remember remembering it. But. That's just one of the problems with passwords, isn't it? Yeah, the Dropbox thing sort of... 
Um, I'm not sure if mine was one of the ones that was actually affected or not. They made you change your password anyway, which annoyed me. That, that did annoy me. But the fact that um, I believe it was an employee with theirs, something like that, they'd got hacked. Uh, but also around the same time, it seemed to be endemic because LinkedIn were done as well, weren't they? They were. It's like a spate of, spate of burglaries, isn't it? <laughs> LinkedIn <laughs> were much, done. Yes. Um, I know you were involved in the LinkedIn thing. I think you probably Was I? Well, are you incriminating there. me? No, not in doing it, in being affected by it. Yeah. But um, I had a few services to, to worry about that you didn't, uh, because the Envato network, one of their services, was also hacked. Now, I think they, they took a more proactive approach to it. Um, they immediately refunded, I think it was a couple of months um, subscription. They extended your subscription as well. So, so they were really proactive with it and, and apologetic it had happened. And they reset your password to password. And they reset your password, but no, not to password. You had to sort that out when uh, you logged in. And what brought it all back to mind was Bleepnik and uh, mentioned on Twitter. No copy and paste in some iOS apps. Is it really 2013? And I thought, oh, yes, because that drives me mad as well. Uh, we first mentioned this in relation to Apple IDs and not being able to copy and paste passwords into, you know, when you log into your Apple ID via a browser. Yeah. And I think that's ridiculous. I mean, they must know about one password. And if you're using it, you, you're likely to have more secure passwords. If you've got to sit there and type it out, you're going to make mistakes. They only give you three strikes, then you're out. Then they want to know about your security answers. Oh, trust me, mine are random. You do not want to know about those. And I'd hate to be on the phone and having to read them out. So um, I'd been getting increasingly annoyed with applications where I can't paste a password in. I've got a couple on the desktop. One is the Pogo plug app, and that drives me mad. I actually found one on iOS the other day. I think it was Poster. You know the one for WordPress? Yeah. It's a WordPress client. And you cannot paste a password in it. Well, all my passwords for WordPress are incredibly secure. I don't trust online services like that. So my password's incredibly secure and it wouldn't take it. So do you know what I did? Go on. You think I use password, don't Probably. you? Probably. No, no, I didn't. I decided I was going to bin the app. I, I am just not. I mean, I was, I was in a situation, which is unusual for me, that I was away from, from my desk. So I had one password with me on my iOS device. How can I possibly see both at the same time on an iOS device? That's true. Exactly. It isn't as though I can split the screen or something. So what can I do? If I'd got an iPhone and an iPad with me, maybe, but I didn't. I just had my phone and I just wanted to make a quick change to my blog. Admittedly, maybe I should have logged in when I had access to it. But honestly... In this day and age, honestly, all that does is encourage you to have very weak passwords. Now, something happened in uh, November, December last year that absolutely incensed me, as you well know. But I shall I shall give the MacBiters the benefit of my annoyance. Um, Adobe have various services. As soon as I said Adobe, they're with me, aren't they? Mm. Adobe have various online services, but you also have an overarching Adobe ID in the same way that you have an Apple ID. But historically, um, they, they bought Macromedia. So there's half their systems that, that have still got Macromedia in the name. So all these services are brought together and I do have different passwords for each service. Well, one of their lesser known services, all it was, was an online user group community for Adobe Connect. So fairly innocuous. 
it didn't use your main Adobe ID. So I had just used my username and password and it, I'd had it up there for years. I don't think I'd even visited the website in such a long time, but I got an email to say that they'd been hacked. So pretty similar to the Dropbox situation and LinkedIn and all of the others, they'd been hacked. Uh, so for your protection, they had reset the password. So I'm reading this and I'm thinking, OK, so far. Whether they should do that, I guess they should. But it was what happened next that I don't think they ever should, because it just completely, well, it caused complete disaster for me. And I'm sure other people had similar issues. Um, what they did was not just reset the password on the affected service. They reset every password on every Adobe service that I had. At the last count, as the emails bounced in and said, we've reset your password, we've reset your password, there were 12 of them. I was furious. Now, they'd done that because they were assuming that my password was the same on every one, and it wasn't. It wasn't. I'd done everything right. They had done everything wrong. They were hacked. I wasn't hacked. They were. And then they automatically and without asking my permission, reset my password on every Adobe account I have. Now, you may think that that's secure. It's going to be time consuming for me and it's very annoying when I've already done everything I could do once. But worse than that was they reset the password on my main Adobe ID. This was on a Wednesday night. I had a webinar on Thursday and I needed to log into, oh, an Adobe service using my main Adobe ID. Not a problem, you think. You come to log in and it says to you, your password has been reset. Click here and request a password reset. So I did. And I waited for the email and I waited and I waited and it didn't come through. So I thought, fair enough, I'll go back and request another one. And the problem with these online services with Adobe is that they're all very similar. So, for instance, I don't just have one Connect account. I actually have two. So my problem was which one, if the email came in, I thought, well, I'll try the other one. If the email came in, which service is it? Which server? There are different Connect servers. Which server is it for? I didn't get any emails at all. So by Thursday morning, I decided I'd go to bed and worry about it the next day. By the next day, I still didn't have my password reset. I requested them again and they still didn't come through. And I'm galloping alarmingly towards my webinar and I can't log in to the service. I could log in as a guest, but I couldn't actually see much, could I? I couldn't do anything. If anybody's ever been to one of our webinars, if you think about how it looks when you log in, there's a poster and nothing else. That's because what I do is I flick from lobby view to presentation view and that's where the chat pod appears and all the other pods. I couldn't do that. If it wouldn't let me log in, I could not do that. Now, luckily, belt and braces, what I'd done was when I created the room, I'd made Mike a host of it. So Mike could log into my room as a host because he hadn't been affected by any of the password resets because he didn't have an account with the service that had been hacked. He could log in as himself and then promote me to be a host of my own room. I was spitting bullets. You were. Spitting bullets. Because I'd done everything right. I had used different usernames. I'd used different passwords. I'd done everything right. And I don't think... 
I know people out there will say, yeah, well, some people won't have Well, do you know what? That's their problem and not mine. It meant also, if you think about your Adobe ID and Creative Cloud, I couldn't log into that either. So they've got, they've moved their services online. So if I want to download an application, I need to give them my password. The one they wouldn't let me reset. Mm, spitting bullets. It wasn't pretty. I finally managed to get the majority of them reset, but it took almost 48 hours, which I think is appalling. But there's just no excuse for that ever. If they unilaterally do that, then they need to be absolutely sure that the password reset works and works instantly because it's annoying enough as it is. And I honestly don't know how people go on that don't have one password. If you had to reset 12 passwords and then try and remember them all, it's impossible. No wonder you use the same ones. Mm. Um, it actually reminded me of, of another situation where I'd, um, it was an online store and they had taken a, orders from me for many, many years. But what they'd done now was they'd instigated an online account system. So I'd put in my email address that they were aware of and they wanted me to create an account. So I typed in a password and it took the password and it logged me into my account and it let me place the order. And uh, about four hours later, I thought, oh, I wonder if they've sent that order yet. So I came to log in. It wouldn't log me in. And I knew the password was right. <laughs> it was in one password. How could it be wrong? It would not let me in. So in the end, after trying and trying, um, it wouldn't even let me request a password reset, that one. I rang them up and I said, I can't log in. What's going on? So he had me check and he said, what's your password? And I thought, oh, how fabulously secure. I'll tell you my password over the phone. So I did. And he said, oh, yeah, it's five characters too long. We only have 15 characters in the password. It's just knocked the last five off. How am I supposed to know this? Clairvoyance? It didn't say anything. It didn't tell me the password was too long. It just randomly knocked the end off. It'll work if you knock the last five characters off. Mm, wasn't pleased with that either. That's now, I know you've got things going on at work with passwords, haven't you? Yeah, that's, that's one thing that annoys me is that um, if you are going to have rules like that for passwords, then at least publicise what they are. Um, yeah, they're... they're um, the, the the password rules are becoming more stringent. Um, well, I know they are they, the Apple ID rules um, have changed as well. But what they do with them is they display them in a sort of float over post-it note. Yeah. Um, and they're, they're quite difficult when you look at them. They don't even allow you to have two characters the same next to each other. We have, you know, you can't have two characters the same. You've got to have uh, a capital, at least one letter, at least one non-alphanumeric um at least 15 characters i can't remember all, all, all what the rules are but um they are replacing because reading this article this article um was about um google talking about having kind of i suppose you might call them smart passwords where the passwords can will be stored on something like a, a mobile phone and that's what that's what they're doing where i work they're replacing these dongles um, with something called soft tokens. Dongles to soft tokens, you say? This could get interesting. <laughs> so, like I say, password rules becoming more stringent. To be honest, in the absence of rolling out something like 1Password and educating users, it just won't work. They'll 
forget that they'll make the requirements so difficult that the password is impossible to remember. So what people will do is write it on a post-it note and stick it under the keyboard. Exactly. You know they will. Exactly. I've seen that so many times when I go in. In fact, some people have sort of five or six post-it notes stuck on the side of the monitor with their passwords on. It's ridiculous. So they're very secure passwords as you look at them. Oh, yes, they're most secure. And I'm looking at them written on a post-it note. <laughs> Um, one of the things I did uh, in relation back to uh, Derek's iAnnotate, um, when you go into iAnnotate, it offers to make you an account. So I thought, oh, I'll set up an account. Not sure what benefit I get, but I'll set up an account. And within the application, it loads up a browser window and I put my details in and it needed a password. So I chose a password and I started typing it in. And no matter what I did, it wanted a confirmation password, so it wanted you to put it in twice. No matter what I did, I could not get these two to match. Seriously, I must have tried about eight times. And I thought, I know what I should do, which is to go into one password and generally fiddle around. But do you know what I actually did, just for speed? Go on. I made the password more simple, <laughs> <laughs> which just epitomises the problem, doesn't it? So, no, I don't like iOS apps that don't like, let me copy and paste. I don't like Mac apps that, that do the same. I've got one that uh, backs up Google locally. So it backs up your Gmail and it backs up all your Google Docs. And you have to type the password in manually. My Google password is longer than my left leg. And I must admit, I did do it, but it took me three attempts. And it's horrible. Why they don't let you do that? It's not more secure not to let people paste. It is not. Please, people, stop doing it. If you're a developer, please stop doing it. Ah, but let's get on to, to more lighter matters. New, New toys. toys. Oh, exactly. Yes, you know we love 12 South, don't you? Yes. We've got I'm just trying to think to what they make. It. but uh, What do they make? They make... Um, it was that keyboard thing, wasn't it? Expensive toys. Yes, um, I've got um, a, a little shelf under my monitor that they make. Not the new shelf that's for the iMag, but uh, yes, I've got one of those. And um, we've got half a dozen of their other products. They're not cheap, but the new product is a plug bug. So um, have a look at the link. Yes, I shall put that in the show notes. It's rather nice. It's, um, it's like the top isn't it, off um, a, a charger for a, yeah. for a laptop of some description. And what it does is it replaces the actual plug with um, a larger plug, bright red, not going to mistake it, but now it allows you to use both your laptop, charge it, um, and it has a USB port on it so you can charge something, which I like. I like that. Don't like the price. I think it's around $50, but uh, a, a rather nifty device. I was actually looking for, uh, well, I was looking at chargers and there is an alarming range of them, but there are so few that actually charge an iPad properly. So uh, that one looked rather nice. I might have to um, give that a bit of a look. And also there were, you know, the rumour mill. Oh, it was getting into overdrive this week. I think it's got to be a joke. I wondered if it was April the 1st. Did you see the link on TechCrunch about um, the new Mac? No, but I saw the link in the show notes mm. about the new Mac. It's the Cube Reborn, isn't it? <laughs> it is. I looked at it and I thought it looks like a toaster. I just can't see them putting out something that looks like that. It literally looks like a slight update to the Cube. Now, I didn't actually dislike the Cube. It actually looks like, if I go and have a look, um, looks like a hard drive. Oh, I know what you mean. Yeah, uh, a, a NAS enclosure of some description. Yeah. I don't see them enclosure. putting that out. I really don't. I, I'm prepared to be wrong. 
but I just don't see it. Not the way they've gone with the Mac Mini. It doesn't look classy enough for an Apple product. No. But anyway, talking of cubes, Derek's got us all beat with this toy of the week, I feel. This one's called the Magic Cube. Isn't it cute? It is. Yes, I shall put a link into that, but it is a projection keyboard and a multi-touch mouse all in one device. So it's supposed to connect easily to any Bluetooth device, including iPhone, iPad and Android. Uh, it looks to look at it quite similar, doesn't it, on the front to um, an iPhone or an iPod Touch. Mm, but yeah. it's quite deep. So if you can imagine 10 iPhones strapped together. Ooh, there's a thought. Uh, it sort of <laughs> looks like that. And uh, you put it on your desk and it projects a keyboard onto your desk. I think that's the future, but I'm not convinced we're there yet. Although I feel I should try it on behalf of the MacBiters. And um, at only $149, do you think I should? No. Oh. <laughs> oh, well, never mind. But I do, I do think that that gets... Ooh. ...of the week. But that's the tech ooh of the week. The bling of the week must go to something completely non-tech related. Go on. Well, I, I think this should be incident of the week. I was taking mum out. Now, that's never without incident anyway. Because um, May is usually directing proceedings. And he does like to go out. And he's not been too well. So uh, he hasn't been out for a good few weeks. So he was giddy with excitement to be out again. Now, uh, this time it was made more dangerous because uh, the weather wasn't good either up here, was it? No. It was slippy. So um, I'd managed to navigate my way to the back of the local magistrate's court. Obviously, I wasn't visiting. Uh, it was just on the way to the local shops. Yes, I know I said shops. I wasn't going in. But what could possibly go wrong? Well, first of all, we stumbled across um, what could only be described as a posse of paparazzi lurking in the bushes outside said magistrate's court. They seriously were, they were carrying some serious camera kit, but uh, they weren't at the front of the place, which was interesting. I've no idea who they were after. They were seriously hiding and dodging in and out of cover, just at the very edge of the magistrate's court's property. So they weren't actually on the land belonging to it. So something was definitely going on. Now, obviously, if Death Race 2000 rules to be applied, I'd have got a few points for the hitting the paparazzi, but uh, I didn't fancy the paperwork. So I was giving them a wide berth and I was keeping an eye both on them diving in front of cars and on the traffic. Uh, mum, the MacBytes mum, was watching their antics with interest, uh, but only until she spotted a new shop. The livery of which proudly proclaimed Fish and Tips. Hmm. Odd name for a chippy. Unless, of course, the signage artist was dyslexic. But there was a large fish on an even larger board of options outside said establishment. So, positioned in the passenger seat, I was at the traffic lights by this stage, uh, Mum couldn't quite make out the delicacies on offer, and she asked if I could tell her what was on the menu. So, with one eye on the traffic lights and another half an eye on the paps dicing with death, I made the mistake of glancing over at the menu. That was when I realised it wasn't a chippy. Oh, no. It was a piercing parlour. A what? A piercing parlour. Oh, right. Mm. And um, item number two on said menu, I mean, she was obviously hoping for cotton chips. Well, um, let's just say mum now knows what the term vajazzling means. 
Yes, I know. She's calling it Russell Dazzle. But trust me, she's got the basics spot on. Now, if you're curious and you're tempted to Google it to find out what you're missing, do not, seriously, do not be tempted to let Google Images enlighten you. Related to that, uh, mum's fine, but I fear I might never recover. And they pay for this, not cheap either, £25 a go. I mean, you could get... Mm, £25. Mm, you could get at least a charging cable from <laughs> Apple for that. Believe me, you don't want to see what fish and tips can do with a charging cable. <laughs> the things women do for fashion. Well, you say that, but may I introduce you to the latest fashion trend for men? Go on. The pea jazzle. Really? Mm. I'm just going to leave that thought hanging there while Minster comes off his bike. I've never seen that. I think I think you've made that up. I haven't. Google it. Go on. Go on. Google it. I'll wait. Google right. it. Okay. Shall I spell it for you? Yeah. P-E. Yeah. <laughs> Get up with it. J-A-Z-Z-L-E. Brace yourself. Ooh, uh. Ah! Mm. Ooh, uh. So, when am I booking you in? That's your birthday present taken care of. So, bling of the week. We could go. We could go together. His and hers. No, you're okay. <clears throat> right, I'll go to Google. Ooh, uh. No, please, Google please, images. no. <laughs> Too late. The ISP will cut us off. <laughs> Get on with it. Well, we're the only thing cut off either. <laughs> <laughs> <Right>. Remember, <laughs> Mac bites, Mac apple kit. Yes. Minster. Minster. Yes, the missive from Minster. Mm. Yeah, I'm still recovering. <laughs> it's all right, I'll edit that out. <coughs> okay. Take a glass of water and sit down quietly for a couple of minutes. Need to let the listeners recover. <laughs> That's true. Yes. Okay. You all right now? I'm fine, thank oh, you. Oh, good. Yes, the latest missive from Minster's headquarters. He says, Hi guys, has it really been that long for next week? I'm expecting a London bus type schedule now, with one coming right after the next. Great to have you guys back, although having completed another listening marathon before Christmas in my head, you were only gone for a few weeks. The brainwashing is working, I see. <laughs> I have a few questions for the next shows that I'm hoping you can help with. I'm just about to change jobs and we were getting a MacBook for my work machine. My plan is to run OS X using Office for Mac, but I'll need to use Microsoft Access and Project. So what's the best way of doing this? Emulating software or boot camp? And what's the benefits of each? Should also say the rest of the Office will be on Windows machines. He's a very lucky guy, actually, isn't he? Getting he a is. Mac. He must have. If only you could must do have that. negotiated that, especially. Yeah. Mm, I think he must. I want my. I want to use my iPad more at work, and know that Mike has a thing for notes apps. I have a. Mm, oh, doesn't yeah. he? So, which one would you recommend? Well, I'll come to that shortly. Uh, I use Evernote a little bit at the moment, but mostly use the notes app built into iOS six. And lastly, since upgrading to iTunes 11, I've noticed that my play count keeps getting deleted. Have you noticed this? I don't actually use play counts, but um, I know you've looked into that, so we'll come back to that. 
I use Smart Playlist, which are set up to look at play counts, so notice that my new music list has some of my favourite tunes in that I've had for a year. The same is happening on movies. The unwatched movie keeps getting movies in that I've already watched. Right, that's it. A bit random a brain dump, so sorry. It Does it make much sense? But in my defence, I've just finished listening to episode 70 while cycling to work in the snow, and someone said, Android, my brain is fried. <laughs> Uh, look forward to hearing from you soon regards Gordon now that threw me yes also no my first thought was who's Gordon and then I remembered it's Minster Minster sent from my iPhone 5 first nothing of all, like bragging Minster first of all uh, congrats on the new job very well done yes. Minster now to answer your questions um, where should we start running windows do we have to <sighs> I guess we do don't we yes. it's project that did it well, for me, there's only one option, and that is to go with uh, VMware Fusion. Well, I've tried Parallels. I had Parallels first. Um, I saw Boot Camp running uh, many years ago uh, in an Apple store. I was there for a one-to-one -one session when I very first had a Mac, and um, I didn't fancy the Boot Camp route. route. Uh, far too many people who had gone that route, had said to me, oh, and then they changed this and it needs different drivers. And then I needed to rebuild this. And I'm thinking, whoa, don't fancy that. Um, but the biggest thing for me was that I'd have to come out of all my Mac stuff to boot into Windows. So it would be like two separate machines for me. So no, I made a decision way back then not to touch Boot Camp. Um, I did move on from Parallels, though, to Fusion. For me, th apparently they're very similar. I mean, in use, it really doesn't make that much difference. For me, it was because Parallels is activated and I don't want the hassle of activated software. We don't like activated software. No, I don't like activated HQ, software. Do and we? if there's an alternative, then I will take that alternative. They seem to play catch up with each other. So one version fusions gets better reviews. The next one Parallels does. Um, but a lot of that, when you look at the reviews, is talking about speed for gaming. Um, in use for the stuff that I use it for, it's indistinguishable between them, to be honest. Yeah, we don't do gaming at MacBytes HQ, either. No, it's best that we don't. <laughs> best that I don't game bother, definitely. So um, I did find with Parallels, what they've done over the years is increasing integration, I think they'd call it, wouldn't they, with um, the Mac OS. So you can do the right click and you get Windows programs listed as well. I turn all of that off. I, I don't want it um, cross-pollinating. So Fusion allows me to turn everything off, so I do it that way. And I found that running stuff virtualized means that it's virtually sandboxed. It means that um, I can rebuild my Windows install. I can use different versions of Windows. I can use different versions of Office Suites on different virtual machines. And uh, to back up the virtual machine is really simple. It's just one file. And I do, I back that up and I have it out of the way. It's great if I need to use my Windows install on another machine in an emergency so I can have my Windows machine set up perfectly and then I can just take the file and put it on another Mac. And uh, it's a great way actually to use trial software and then just trash the VM because you just duplicate the file, try the software and then delete the VM. One thing you will definitely need to think about, no matter which route you go to run Windows, though, is that you will need antivirus. And uh, I've used AVG antivirus for years. It is still free, or there is a free version, but boy, don't they make it difficult to find the free version. They do. 
yeah. it's probably worth paying for if you're using it for work. But uh, the free version served me well for many, many years, and it doesn't seem to make it run as slow as some of the software you've had over the years for virus stuff. Do you remember the one with the little soldier in the system tray? I do. I can't remember its name. <laughs> oh, was it Norton? Well, it oh, it, it just slowed the machine to a complete crawl. So AVG is quite light, I find, uh, on system resources. Yeah. Well, we promised more about our dabbling duplicity on the dark side with Microsoft Office 2013 last week. And looks like Minster's heading the same way. So um, what we did, we ran a series of webinars on Office 2013 late last year. And to be honest, it's really impressive. So if you are forced to um, slide, as it were, be a slider and uh, use Office, if you've got that new version, it's very impressive. Uh, I'll put some links in the show notes to a few videos that we did. And uh, we were asked, why on earth were we interested in Office 2013 as a Mac user? But it does matter to Mac users. Um, Microsoft have put in place SkyDrive, which would be great for Minster at work. Um, we're talking about Notes app shortly, but in terms of uh, transferring files, SkyDrive is excellent. It is excellent. There's a great Android app that's bang up to date, but the iOS app is a little bit behind the times. Uh, they are arguing over the 30% at the moment, but there is an app there. The other issue is um, the new version of Office is coming out as a subscription. So you will get web apps. So it's known as Office 365, and you will also get the right to run the Mac version of Office all for one single fee. So it would all be included. So it does matter to Mac users, I would say. And also, I've not touched Office in any meaningful way in over six years. And you're on an old version at work, aren't you? 2007, yeah. So the good stuff from 2010 and uh, the latest version, not there for you. Um, coming back to Office, I did use it every day. The improvements are great. They are serious improvements, not, not the usual stuff that you expect. To be honest, I always expect it to be a bit of fluff on the top. We've put two more templates in it. There you go. That's another £800. But they, they've listened and what they've done this time, that it's radically improved. It really is. Um, there are also thousands of templates that you can use in pages and numbers with either very little or no changes needed. So maybe you just need to change a font or something. So I think it's time to be open minded and, and not be quite so worried about actually having to use something Microsoft-y. Um, is it a renaissance for Microsoft? Well, Steve Ballmer certainly thinks it is. He was making lots of sound bites in the autumn about uh, making no mistake, it's the year for Windows. I think he was over-egging the pudding slightly, but apparently Surface is cool, according to the kids of America. So um, who knows, I'd say, moving forward. So uh, what apps did Minster absolutely need? It was Access and Project. Access it? and Project, yeah. Um, I've actually found on the Access side, there's... There's five apps in the App Store which will um, open Access files. Well, the first thing to say is there is no version of Access for the Mac, is there? Yeah. So um, you would have to, if you want to interact in a meaningful way with your database, use the Access version on Windows. But this is where your apps come in, doesn't it? If you just want to quickly look at your data, there are options. 
Yeah, there's, as I say, there's five apps that I've found. They will all open MDB files, which is the older version of Access Databases. Some of them will open the ACCDB files as well, uh, which are the, the 2007 and, and onwards format. I'm not going to go through a, a shopping list of exactly what does what. I've written a, a summarised blog post on my blog, which I'll put a link to in the show notes, so you can have a look at them all. But as you say, um, they all they do is they allow you to open the database um, in well it's not opening the actual database it's allowing you to look inside the database file uh, but they only allow you to look at the tables they don't allow you to run any queries look at any forms or any reports um, and the, the problem with only supporting tables is that if the database is designed properly and you open a table, then the raw data might be meaningless. And if I give you a simple example, imagine you've got a customer's table where each customer's got a, a unique customer number, a name and an address. And you've got a products table where each product has a unique product number, then all the product details. And then you have an orders table. And in the orders table, you've got an order number, the order date, and then instead of having the details of the product that's been ordered, you have the product number. And instead of having the details of the customer who ordered the product, you've just got the customer number. So basically, you've got this table with just a whole load of numbers in it that relate out to more meaningful information in other tables. And if all you're doing is looking at the raw data through this, what is essentially a table viewer, um, it's, it's going to give you meaningless data. The other benefit of these apps is they will export the data to, uh, to CSV files and uh, to SQL files. And they range in price anywhere between £1.99 and about £13.49. Uh, as I was doing some research, one of the things I found was... Um, one of the ones for £13.49 allows you to read calculated fields from an Access 2010 database, which was interesting because that goes against everything I've ever been taught about building Access database, well, building any kind of database, really, not to use calculated fields when you build a table, but to calculate the data uh, as you need it to save time. So I think Microsoft in their wisdom have actually gone against all those uh, database um, development rules we've ever been taught. But uh, that's Microsoft for you. Cod spinning in his grave. Mm. They're known as Cod's rules. Um, there were 10 of them. But if you if you adhere to the first four... Smells a bit fishy to me. Indeed. <laughs> if you stick with the first four, you'll probably design a good database. So it's it's referred to as relational database theory. And that's why the table structure tends to be meaningless, because one of the things you don't want to do is store data that can be calculated. So a very simple example of that would be you would store somebody's date of birth, but it is useless to store their age because that data will age, if you'll pardon the pun. You would have to update it. So because it can be calculated, it can be derived if you know the date of birth, why on earth would you store it? You don't need to. I agree with you. Microsoft have probably gone down the uh, populist route where they're being told that people want to store calculated data. 
there's no need to ever do it. I can't think of, of a valid reason to do that. If you want, maybe point in time data. But again, it can all be calculated. There's no need to have a calculated field at field level. And that's just one of these rules. But it's like it's like nails on a blackboard to me when you said that. It, it's, it's horrible. It's terrible. It's an example to me of the dumbing down that's going on with software because when somebody trains this, you know what happens with trainers. Most access trainers, in fact, I would say of all the access trainers I've ever know, known, you are the only one other than me who understands COD rules. Oh, so people, people may, you're very welcome, people may say, oh, and there's these rules. But you need to know them inside out to know when you can break these rules. And there, there are occasions you may choose to, but you, you need to know enough to know when you can do that. But most trainers training access, most books written about it, what will they do? They'll get a list of new features from Microsoft. They'll see, oh, you can have calculated fields now. And they'll teach people that you can have calculated fields. Please don't. It, forget it's there. Tipex it out. Doesn't exist. Don't do it. Don't go there. But that is what will happen. And you know, good database design will fly out of the window. I can see it coming. It's horrible. Why add that in? It's terrible. I agree with you. Just just don't do it. So a little aside there on database theory. Database theory is incredibly important because, I mean, we've all had situations where you've had emails or form letters that say, you know, uh, dear Smith, and it's your surname. It's because the database isn't designed properly. You really shouldn't. Uh, most users should be using access um, with a front end to it, not actually designing the databases because it's a complete skill all, all of its own. And to, to add calculated fields in, do you know, they added something in a while ago that similarly I went mad over. I can't for the life of me remember. It was about three or four versions ago. And it was some, oh, it was a, it was a lookup at table level. Mm. Remember that one? I do. Which won't mean anything to many of the MacBiters, but a lookup at table level is not good. And they added that as well. Why so they're, actually, they're taking a product that actually worked very well and all the features they're adding are actually just ruining it in my mind. Why don't you get off your soapbox and talk about project? No, that's even worse. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, I did find there are two applications. If you need to use project and um, you're sharing data with other people, then you're going to need to use project. But if you're on a Mac... There are two options and both of them can actually read project files. So it's something to think about which may work for you depending on your precise workflow. So in terms of Minster, if he's sharing with other people and they're using Microsoft Project, then I'm guessing he's going to have to go the same way. But if you were creating a project and you wanted to create it on the Mac, you do have a couple of alternatives. Uh, one is Merlin from ProjectWizards.net. Magic that. Mm. And it can read Project uh, 98 to 2011 files. So um, there are file formats offered for Windows. It can read MPP, XML, MPX, and it can also write out to XML or MPX if necessary. So um, the idea of that is that uh, less obstacles to uh, easy collaboration with people who may be using um, Office 
project. Well, it's actually Microsoft Office project on Windows. There's a mouthful for you. And that is £130. So it's all its money, but it is a professional level project management application. So something to have a look at. And the other one I'm betting many more people will have heard of, which is Omniplan. Omniplan is great, but the iPad app is even better. It actually makes project management enjoyable. Now, what they've got is something inelegantly named the Transmogrifier. I wonder what that was. I just read it. (laughs) The Transmogrifier is um, the, the part of the application that allows you to import from project format. Now, not only do you need this transmogrifier, but you also need Java installed. And obviously, they're not making that easy anymore either. So you'd have to go and you'd have to install Java for that. And um, Omniplan comes in at $199. So unless work are feeling incredibly generous with Minster, I fear he's going to be stuck on project. But I've run Project and I've run Access uh, via Fusion and both run absolutely fine. If you go full screen with it, you don't really notice. Well, you do actually. You notice that Windows is running alarmingly well. That's what I notice when I'm running full screen on a Mac with it. I expect it to sort of hang and, and the equivalent of beach balling. What's it? Donutting. Yes, donutting, donutting, I believe. And it doesn't. It runs very, very nicely. But if you did want to have something on a Mac, which would enable you to um, use your iPad more, then you have a couple of alternatives there. And the second one of those is Omniplan. The other great thing, of course, about running Windows in Fusion or in Parallels is that um, if you've got an access database or you've got a project file um, and it's it's on, say, a pen drive or it's on an external drive, you can just drag it straight off there um, and, and put it onto your... Um, in, just drag it straight into your, uh, your Fusion, your Parallels window. True, but the rest of the world has moved on, Mike, and they're all on SkyDrive. Mm, fine. <laughs> well, I did. I did. Exa- I had exactly that workflow that you're thinking about. You know, when I was doing those demos, yeah, and I nearly lost a file. Mm. I said to you, "No, you can delete that," and you did. Yes. And then I went mad because it was the one I needed. Yeah. Yeah, I learnt my lesson after that. <laughs> yes. Uh, well, you managed to get it back for me because I told you to do a backup <laughs> the night before and you did and I, yeah, all was well. But yes, what I did after that was I thought, why are you dragging and dropping these files from the Mac to Windows and back again? Why don't you eat your own dog food and put them on SkyDrive? So I did and all my demo files are on SkyDrive and it works great. So yes, you can drag and drop between your VM and um, your desktop and anywhere else. But SkyDrive works brilliantly. It's very fast, I I found. There was this issue of being logged in. It did log me out, but then it also logged me in, unlike (laughs) Adobe, that didn't for days on end. So all I needed to do was re-log in and um, it worked well. So, yes, you could do that, but you could also use SkyDrive. So if you haven't got a SkyDrive account, Minster, you're going to need one. So you should be able to get, I think at the moment, it's seven gig of free cloud-based storage and it's worth having the SkyDrive account because what it will do is across installations uh, you will log in with your account and it will bring all your preferences down which also works alarmingly well it, that that really does work well the second half of what SkyDrive can do is not just keeping your installations in order but your data as well so it's, du- it's dual purpose and, and can highly recommend it I haven't installed the SkyDrive app, I don't think, on my Mac. But what I did was I tried it in Safari. And I'm 
I must admit, I was just in app mode and I just dragged and dropped some files onto the Safari window and I, and I virtually slapped myself and said, what do you, there's no way that's going to work. And while, just as I was articulating that, it uploaded it to SkyDrive and I thought, wow, what an implementation. So I didn't actually even need the app. So definitely, definitely get hold of SkyDrive. Okay, thank you for that. Uh, shall we move on to the notes apps that he asked about? Yes, so many different notes apps and actually so many different categories of notes apps. When I started thinking about it and thinking, I know what I use and I know a couple of alternatives that I have, but I found as I was thinking about them, there are about five categories. Uh, first of all, you've got the text-based or predominantly text-based apps. So stuff like Evernote and Simple Note. Then there's a whole different category, which is the sort of handwritten notes side of it. And there's a million of those, isn't there? There's penultimate, that's a well-known one. There's paper, there's bamboo paper. Then another type of uh, notes app that I have is audio notes. There are dedicated apps out there that record an audio segment and give you a page to either draw on or type on while you're making a recording. So audio notes, sound note, auditorium notes. Then there's things that we have looked at a couple of these. I'd call these hybrid apps. Uh, you looked at Awesome Note and I'm sure I've mentioned Magical Pad, which is brilliant. And then there's another category, which is specialist apps. So something like Pear Note, which tends to be for academic use. So I'd say first, choose the category of app you're looking for, because it's very difficult to compare sort of penultimate with Magical Pad or um, Simple Note with Audio Note, because they do completely different jobs. The first thing to think about is how do you want to take these notes? Do you want it to be text-based? Do you actually want to handwrite them? Would you rather have audio? Do you want something more than that, maybe where you could put mind maps in there as well? Or do you have any specialist needs and are there any specialist apps out there? But once you've done that, then it's a matter of looking at what apps are available in that category. Now, you said you actually use the one that he's using, which is the built-in app. Yes, I now and again do use the built-in app just for quick notes. Um, you know, it might be if, if um, you asked me to get some stuff from the shops, which you do now and again. It has been known. Yes, just a quick note on there because it's, you know, it's just um, on my, my dock at the bottom of my iPhone. It's just quick to tap and type. Uh, but in, in terms of real apps, can I call them real apps? <laughs> yes. <laughs> There's something about the Apple ones that's just quite surreal to me. Yeah. I never think of using them. No, as I say, I do for a quick note. But um, I started with Penultimate, which I found and, and find actually. It's great for sketching, but uh, not for actually handwriting. But uh, it's now owned by Evernote, so it's actually easier to get stuff. Uh, I've seen you do it. Just take stuff straight from uh, Penultimate into Evernote. There's just a share with Evernote uh, option on the menu. I also tried Notes Plus, which has drawing and type text, but I found that a bit of a, a sledgehammer to crack a nut. It was a, a complex interface just for a Notes app. Awesome note I tried, and I, I reviewed that um, on MacBytes 49 way back in March 2011. <coughs> 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 oh, sorry about that. Carry on. Yes, March. March, March time. Yes, yes. I remember. <laughs> um, no, the reason, the reason I mentioned the date is because 
at the time, um, Evernote's mobile interface was actually quite poor. It had no support for display notes for just a single notebook, uh, which is why I wasn't using it um, as, my, as my main thing, my main application. But they actually fixed that on the day of, 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 um, that we recorded, and uh, I recorded that review. But I still did the review. It's the day they brought version 4 out for the mobile. You wouldn't be interested in doing a review of iWork at all, would you? <laughs> Just, just a thought. <laughs> yes. Have I got the magic touch? Review and a new one comes out. No, the reason I mention that is really because since then, so we're talking a couple of years, I've, I, I have made Evernote my app of choice. The, app, the desktop app's great. The mobile app's great. It's browser-based, and because I've got Chrome at work, it re- works really well in there. And the ease of use is what won me over. I can be typing up. I mean, today I was walking to a meeting, and I was typing up some notes, nothing to do with a meeting, but stuff that had come into my head for something personal I wanted to work on, and then uh, synchronised automatically over the air. When I got back to my office two hours later, I could actually pick it up and carry on yeah i've used evernote since 2008 uh, but with a longish break similar reasons to you uh, interface issues i tried the web page capture a good few years ago and it wasn't great there was also pretty constant changes to how the app worked and once you got a workflow going you didn't really want that um, but i was missing the, the kind of like you're saying, the synchronization stuff. So what I did was I tried an alternative called Simple Note, which was very similar in concept to Etherpad, which I know we have mentioned. Now, we used Etherpad for the recording notes for MacBytes. Uh, we used it after Google killed Google Notebook and before they bought Etherpad and killed that too. Mm. Uh, they acquired it to roll the features into Wave, and we all know what happened there. Etherpad was really simple and simple note built on the concept. And I must admit, I loved it. Um, It's plain text, so it's very different to Evernote in terms of the fact it's simple. You can use uh, multi-markup, multi-markdown. So if you use markup, you can format it in that way. But other than that, it's plain text. So um, the plain text meant I didn't have to worry about the formatting at all. And everything was great until they began having server issues. So you could share notes, and I shared notes with you, didn't I? Mm. But we were finding that what was happening with the server issues, I'd make changes, you couldn't see it, you'd make changes, that would overwrite my changes. So it was around that time that I thought, I'm back in the groove here with um, using a a synchronised notes app. So I'm going to go back and I'm going to try Evernote again, uh, seriously. Um, with a view to using it solely, so just to use Evernote and nothing else. And I found that it matured very well. The clients had improved and the addition of the little tools that go with it, like Evernote Clearly. Now, having said that, that's just broken for me yesterday. But when Evernote Clearly is working, it's brilliant. It sort of takes out all of the stuff on a web page that you don't want and concentrates on the main article. And you can then clip that to Evernote, or that's the theory. Another big thing that they added was uh, notebook stacks, which are nested notebooks. And that made it easier for me as well. Like you, I did like the idea of penultimate. And the other probably around 3,000 note-taking apps that I've got that are, you know, made for... um, writing in. I just don't ever seem to use any of them consistently. Uh, 
I love the idea of handwriting notes or doing diagrams and things, but none of the apps seem to be responsive enough to me or work in, in the right way. I did have another look at Penultimate last week and it has improved greatly. So I'm going to I'm going to give that another go. Uh, what I do where I do need um, an app where I can draw is when I'm doing my slide designs. Uh, what I tend to do is use the top half of a piece of paper for the design and then I put notes at the bottom. So I, I rough out a slide design and then when I get back to Keynote, I then, you know, make that mock that up into something perfect with graphics from Illustrator and stuff like that but I actually draw them out by hand first so for something like that you can't do that in Evernote as is so you would need something else and uh, Penultimate's one of the good ones but there are quite a few others so I'm going to give them all another another go because Penultimate has improved greatly so maybe the others have as well. Um, another thing I use is Audio Note apps. Um, Audio Note's my favourite and what I do with that is when I go to conferences or training I will open the app, I'll press record and I'll start typing. Uh, you can also draw as well if you want to draw. And what the reason that I do that is when I come to play it back, the typed text is timestamped. And because it records the audio, when you play it back, it keeps the audio in time with the text during the playback. And how it shows that to you is it highlights the text as it was typed. So I tend to have the text in black and as it's playing back, uh, the text is being highlighted in blue as, as it's playing back. And you can then supplement any of those notes that you want to. So I use AudioNote. Um, it's my favourite one because there's a desktop companion app. So I can transfer from my iPad to my desktop and carry on on there or I can actually create it on my desktop and then transfer it to my iPad. So if audio is important, um, it's probably worth getting an audio app. Evernote can do audio, but I know when you tried it, you had problems. Yeah, I think the main problem was just saving it back to the desktop. Um, well, it is limited by comparison with those dedicated audio apps, but it can now actually export the audio file. Um, it, it exports to a WAV format and it's around 100k a minute. So it's not the best quality. You know, Don't try recording a concert with it, but it's not too bad for voice stuff. One of the sort of slight issues I had when I was trying it was, you know, when you've got um, a recording app on your iOS device, so your phone or your iPod touch. I don't know if you've ever noticed this, but the microphone's at the bottom. So what I do is I flip the thing round. So I'm holding the phone upside down in my hand and that way the microphone's on the top. And uh, there's a, an app we use called iTalk and it just flips round, it works brilliantly. Evernote doesn't flip round. It'll go sideways, but it won't actually flip completely round. So if you're holding it in your hand and you're trying to make notes, the microphone's pointing down at the floor. So I think from a sound perspective, that could give you a few problems. It seemed illogical that it, it wouldn't rotate to me. You mm. tried that? No. Is it, is it, this is where all these other reviews, nobody stands there and tries to make it work upside down, do they? No. I don't know why they don't do this. Uh, anyway, that was one of the problems I had with it. So it looks like our choice is Evernote. But we'd love to hear from the MacBiters. Uh, what do you use and what do you recommend? 
I think we should take another in-depth look at all those categories of Notes apps because, it, as I say, it's been a while. And if they've all improved as much as Evernote has, who knows? Mm, let's do Minster it. Could, Minster could tempt me away, could tempt me with something else. Who knows? So we'll do that. And then there was your iTunes 11 play count issues. Oh, you're not alone. Uh, must admit, I don't take too much notice of play counts. I have the standard built-in smart playlists, one of which I think is your top 25. And that doesn't change much for me. Uh, so what I did was I went in and I, ha I, had a, I had a play with it and see what I could get it to do. Um, yes, it's broken. Anything under 10 seconds, so be that sort of a very short clip or um, memos or things you've recorded, anything under 10 seconds doesn't register at all. And anything between 10 seconds and 15 seconds is very, very random. Anything over 15 seconds is random, it's just less random, but it's still random. So uh, I've got a lot of links that I've found and stuff that I've uh, been researching seems to be yes it is an issue some people have reported a fix by turning off crossfade so in your itunes preferences you'll find a preference for crossfading between tracks and some people have said if you turn that off it starts working again but i don't see how that has anything to do with the movies and it's doing the same with the movies. So for me, it was random. Sometimes it registered as a play and sometimes it didn't. It just, I would say it's broken. Let's keep this simple. It's broken. Uh, the second suggestion was a script from Doug's iTunes script. So dougscripts.com. And what that did was um, it let you add to the play count yourself. So uh, I shall put a link to all of that in the show notes and uh, you can console yourself, Minster. You are not alone. But I know when I break something that knowing I'm not alone isn't often a complete comfort to me. So I feel your pain. You're going to have to do something different until they fix it. But, but be warned, when they fix that, they'll break something else. At least with this one, you know it's broken. So we'll wait to see what they break next time. But on to feedback and comments. Carrie was the first to get there last week and download the new show. So well done, Carrie. Took a bit by surprise, I feel, don't you? Definitely. I think it took everybody a little bit by surprise. Probably us a little bit by surprise as well. Uh, Kevin said my prayers have been answered. So uh, we're very glad to hear that, Kevin. Hope you enjoyed it. And Barry welcomed us back as well. Another surprise listener. Jane trumped Minster. Jane left a, a comment on the show notes saying she'd listened twice. Didn't want to miss anything. Very wise move, I felt. And um, yes, McJim the Real was somewhat shocked. So uh, he left a comment as well. So hello, McJim. Good, good to be back and good to hear from you. But all of those people downloading eagerly, there's always one, isn't there? And last week, it was Minster. Mm, been a while, I'll grant you. But he was caught short without Wi-Fi. I'm blaming Minster Siri for this. But anyway, when he finally did manage to acquire the show, he said he enjoyed it and um, left a note for MacBite Siri saying, I'm hoping you still have them locked in there. Smart move, hiding the key and a great show to boot. So we're very glad that you enjoyed it, Minster. And yes, we're still locked in. We are. And uh, hence the second show in two weeks. <laughs> Thank you to we'll everyone. podcast for food. 
excuse me, I'm trying to thank everyone for their feedback. Whatever. <laughs> thank you to everyone for your your wonderful feedback. Um, let's move on to events. We've got a couple of events to tell you about. First of all, uh, this Thursday is um, a rerun of Elaine's brilliant Adobe Connect 9 webinar. So if you want to know all about virtual training, if you want to know all about uh, what goes on, on on this side of the microphone when we run a webinar, then come along to the Adobe Connect 9 and Virtual Training Masterclass. That's this Thursday, 31st of January, 8pm UK time. The link to book will be in the show notes. And on the 20th of February, uh, 2pm UK time, Elaine is rerunning um, the iBooks author webinar, fantastically successful iBooks webinar. Um, iBooks webinar. iBooks author. <laughs> it's the teeth. The magpie's teeth are back. I nearly got through the whole episode without the teeth. Yes, but we've not done the Twitter bit yet. The iBooks author version 2 webinar. Uh, <laughs> You see, you've completely lost the plot now. Completely lost it now. Um, yes, the, the, the link to book is in the show notes. Um, okay. Um, well, that's it for this episode of Matt Bites. As always, we'd love to hear from you. Please send your questions, comments and queries by email to mattbitesuk at gmail.com. Use the contact form on the website or send us an audio file. Or leave us a comment on the show notes at mattbites.co.uk. And don't I can tell you're being very careful there. <laughs> don't <coughs> excuse me. <laughs> it's descending it's into chaos. It's not going to make it to the end of the show. It's twenty to one in the morning. I haven't got my teeth in. Um, what other excuse? Oh, there's, there's an image to conjure yes, with. Yes, and I've, I've, no, I won't Mac win. Love Bites, get on with it. Yes, don't forget to keep sending in your Mac Love Bites. Uh, like us on Facebook. Uh, leave us uh, a reviewer, a comment on. Um, iTunes. Uh, thank you for Minster. Uh, thank you to Minster for that <laughs> comment last week. Um, <laughs> sign up for the newsletter at macbytes.co.uk and follow us on Twitter at twitter.com slash macbytes. Follow me <laughs> on Twitter at twitter.com slash Thomas Mike. And you can follow me on Twitter at twitter.com slash Elaine Giles. So until the next time. This has been Mike and Elaine, bringing you MacBytes. Goodbye. Goodbye and see you next time. So what did you do with the keys? They're safe as houses. I sent them to Minster.